0: You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 111, covering The Masterpiece Society and Conundrum with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. We're back from our little break. And, and damn it, it's good to be back. It is, but right out of the little cave there, like crawling out, opening, getting my eyes used to the light, and then the light was the Masterpiece Society. Yeah,
1: it's like you crawl out of a hole into a big bowl of hair.
2: (laughs) It's like like Plato's allegory of the cave, where a man has lived in a cave his whole life, and all he's ever experienced is the shadows on the wall, and then he has to watch the Masterpiece Society.
0: On the other hand, it's not Plato's stepchildren, so we got that going for us. That's a plus. I'm uh, not sure we do. Also that other voice you're hearing is Mr. Brian Lynch who is with us uh for his requisite appearance this season. So It's hello, me, Brian.
2: yes, and for once we're not traveling to a wacky time period. Or uh dealing with Vosh.
0: You you are yes. the Vosh guy, but this season I think you just picked one at random, didn't I you? I think
2: I think my next appearance is the cowboy episode, so I'll be back to form. <laughs> I yes, you... no, I um when I looked at the uh at the, the, the list of uh you know what episodes were available this season, mm-hmm. um the only two that I wanted were taken, mm-hmm. and so I intentionally chose a week where I had no memory of either episode. I did yep. not remember even, so, which turned out to be very appropriate. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, the uh, these titles don't sound familiar. I don't think I've seen these, uh, and I'm just going to go in blind and uh, Aren't you see glad what you happens. Did. Yeah, I mean, I'm conundrum so...
1: I can kind of understand, but Masterpiece Society is instantly forgettable
0: i bet no but on the other hand I... I, I bet we all guessed what the plot was by the title and i bet we were all right yep yeah well well <laughs> all right yes. well, matt this one's tell, all tell you us man what the plot yeah. is. so why don't you why don't you tell us why don't we get this over with peel this band-aid off <laughs> get back into and the look swing at the of things festering scab that is the masterpiece society
1: <laughs> uh, yes god where to start okay the Enterprise is following a space meteor or a rock or a big glowy thing or something. And it's going to wipe out some planet. When it turns out that the planet it's going to wipe out actually has some life on it. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Picard does what he does and sends the planet a friendly message of, hey, uh, big rock on the way. You guys might want to maybe do something about that. The colony leader. Connor tells everyone to fuck the fuck off until Picard mentions that said Big Rock will probably kill everyone and not just cause a semi-inconvenient earthquake. So Connor lets them visit. Riker, Geordi, and Troy all beam down, and then Riker beams back up because, honestly, the story doesn't need him that badly, and what was he going to (laughs) do? Connie is from Earth, sent out many, many years ago, and genetically engineered to be top shit, so they're naturally pretty smug about how great they all are. Until the Enterprise shows off its fancy beaming technology that they've had for, oh, about 150 years. No big deal. It hardly ever goes wrong and sends people to an evil alternate reality. So Geordi and Dr. Hannah Scientist go off and solve the problem using Geordi's visor, and Deanna and Connor go off and fall in love because that's what Deanna's good at, and Hannah gets to see the Enterprise and finds out how awesome it is, and they stop the meteor rock in a scene so unremarkable my memory has erased it completely, and a bunch of people want to leave the colony, and Connor does too, and eventually some people eventually get to leave, and everything works out, and I scream into a pillow for about 10 minutes as I think of what I could have done with that lost 45 minutes.
0: It occurs to me, not when I watch the episode, but reading, uh, hearing you read your summary and also reading along with you, with the bouncing ball, Mm -hmm. um, that everyone on this planet was named the popular uh, kids' names in the early 90s. Yep. Hannah, Connor, Connor. must have been a Cody in there somewhere. Probably a Jordan and a Blake. Right.
1: I feel like one of the writers of this episode had just
0: had a kid. Right. Or maybe twins, Hannah Mm -hmm. and Connor, who would obviously be fraternal twins unless poor little Hannah is walking around. Yeah, Dustin. That's another one. Boy
1: Hannah. Right.
0: Uh, well, I mean, they wanted a they wanted a kid who had a uh, palindrome name. and yes. they were really limited, so they went with Hannah. Oh, uh, could Oh, Could've been Otto. That's true, but it's a little Bolt. German, isn't if
2: it? If I was a little boy, I think I'd rather be named Hannah than Otto. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Otto's a tough one. Yeah, it really is.
1: Uh, you j- you really just have to become a mechanic.
0: Uh, that's not necessarily true. You could also become a like a lesser lieutenant in some sort of German army. Some sort of neo-Nazi true, cult, yeah. or, you know?
1: But who like wants he, to be a lesser lieutenant? I don't
0: know, like a like a lieutenant.
1: Yes, I could be a, a left-tenant. lieutenant. Tenant.
0: Right. Uh, so I'm curious how you managed to dig a good thing out of this.
1: Uh I enjoy watching Jordy and Hannah working together on solving the problem. It's nice to see Jordy doing stuff, and he's pretty delightfully smug about his visor saving the day. There's a bit of business where they, uh, after they beamed down to the stupid society and found out how perfect it is, where the dude whose job, whose only job it is, is to keep everything exactly the same as always it was,
2: uh-huh.
1: is all like, yeah, we kind of evolved beyond the need for blind people, so that's rough. And Jordy's like, oh, well, fuck you.
2: <laughs> and
1: then later on, his visor saves the day, and he's really excited about it, and he just wants to rub it in that dude's face. Let's
2: <laughs> go one for blindy. <laughs>
0: There was a there. There was I mean, yeah, that was a great exchange between the two of them. But I don't know when Jordy's rattling off about how his visor works, and then immediately that gives him the idea to solve the problem. That just felt mm-hmm. so.
1: Oh, it I don't is. Know, it's completely
0: sixties Batman, or like probably how every episode of House ends. Monk mm. Monk does that a lot. Mm. Just
2: They're like uh, oh, I couldn't solve the problem. By the way, here's a picture of my daughter's science fair project. Wait a minute, crayons. That's it.
1: Say that again. <laughs> daughter's science fair project. Yes. Of course, DSFP. That's the answer. <laughs> someone is going to. Someone from Russia is going to slip on a banana peel and
0: break their neck. Yeah, that which is unfortunate. I mean, I like. In theory, I like the irony of it. It's just clumsy irony. Oh, yeah. Whereas later on, when Hannah sabotages the uh, the thing to make it look like the planet's still fucked. she
2: does what? Sabo-
0: sabotage. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. You say sabotage, I, know, I say sabotage. Don't tell me how to do it. Sickens me. I, when she does that, and Jordy's the only one who can detect it because of his visor, and they don't call it, it's ironic, isn't it? Like, it's more subtle. That was much better irony than using his visor to fix everything.
2: Is that what happened? I don't, I don't think I even remember. I don't remember how well, they, they used, fixed it. They use the tractor beam and they set a bunch of numbers.
0: Right, but they use his visor like the technology his visor is based on.
2: Yeah. to do to something
0: with the something. This
1: episode should win an award for the amount of technobabble in it.
2: Oh, no. No, no
1: well, 80% technobabble. Yeah, What's really weird
2: is that when they, they they had all that technobabble, but the thing that was crashing towards the planet was just called a fragment. It was a yep. stellar, fragment a, stellar like fragment,
0: a piece of a star that just yeah, broke I, off. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense. I, I think it probably, like, to us it doesn't make sense, but I I know some other basic astrophysics was actually based on real science. Like, the isn't, but I bet a stellar fragment is a real thing, or at think, least they but, thought it was in 1991.
2: Right, Gas can't fragment, or neither can plasma. That's what stars are made out of, and their gravitational pull would be too
0: strong for anything to split off. I feel like there's probably a well actually person in the audience. It's usually you, but there must be another one out there who knows this and uh if if you think you know write to um Brian Williams else.
2: care of 30 Rockefeller Center. Yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> After the episode Brian's going to do some research and then email us. Almost certainly. <laughs> well, actually me of the past. Hey,
2: that jerk you had on your show was completely wrong. <laughs>
0: Well, the next supplemental we're doing is the week before Emerald City, so it's going to be very rushed and uh, not at all, like, uh-huh. So, yeah, next one. Uh, yeah, shut up. So, the next one is... No time. Yeah. Um. So, Matt, which bad thing did you choose?
1: Oh, God. This episode touches on every annoying, stupid, boring TNG trope ever, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Boring colony? Check. Troy falls in love? Check. Smug future men co- show colony that maybe they aren't so great after all? Check. And that's a hat trick of boring TNG crap. Woo! Wait, Jennifer Hattrick? Yes, Jennifer Hattrick.
2: <laughs> it would only improve that would, the
0: episode. But that, was a, that was a requisite, uh, bo- uh, I almost said Bosk reference. I'm Bosk. Hi, I'm Vosh. <laughs> there, um Yeah, this is so, like, I one of my notes was the title of this episode should have been By the Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> or, pho- no, Phoning It In. That's yep. what it was. Actually, it no,
2: in. By the Numbers, because that actually sounds like a next generation <laughs> title. <laughs> that's true,
0: it does. Yeah. But it's, it's like you have a paint-by-numbers, like, guide to how to write a script. Like, this happens in Act 1, this happens mm-hmm. in Act 2, somebody falls in love, here's how you solve the problem, and then the problem isn't quite solved, and then you have to solve it again. It's so just... We've yep. seen yeah. this a hundred times already. And elements of this story, like, have been used elsewhere, and they just sort of recycled scraps. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: this could not be a more generic, boring uh, Star yep. Trek episode.
0: Really yeah, no,
2: that's well. I mean, that's that's well. It's, it's pretty much what my bad thing was too. Okay, well, let's,
0: that, let's go into that.
2: I, as I said, I had no memory of this episode at all. I I did, I did not remember what it was. I don't actually. Even when I was watching it, I didn't have that. Oh yeah, this episode thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen this episode. I think I must have just you know missed it. Now you've seen
0: it twice. Do you think you're going to remember it next week?
2: Not really. I might have seen (laughs) it when I was a little kid or when I bought the DVDs. Uh, The thing is, this
1: is one of those episodes you could confuse with a million other episodes.
2: Yeah, well, it's just the thing. I was able to come up with a reasonable facsimile of the plot just from the title. Right. Yep, that's that's what what I saw the masterpiece society. All I was like, think I know what Star Trek's about. I know what the Next Generation's about. What kind of things they like to do. This episode is called the Masterpiece Society. Da da da. If if this it's if like, this so how podcast does this fit
1: into the human equation.
2: If this was a video podcast, Al would right now be opening up the sealed envelope I gave him when I signed up for this week's show <laughs> and reading out my eerily close prediction. Except... Holding it up
0: to my forehead, like <laughs> uh, like the great crap. What was it, Carnac? Carnac. Thank you.
2: Uh, the uh, the only thing I would have been wrong about is that I thought there would be some melody rebels opposing the masterpiece society. Uh, I didn't expect the opposition think. to come from within. Uh, yeah, from uh, Doctor Hannah. I but just so was, some pretty clean cut. I figured sometimes. I figured there would be some uh, some dirty melody people living outside, and the uh, the masterpiece society would be like,
0: mm, well, that, "Oh yes, the, that is the, a next gen right. trope." But another one is uh, they actually borrowed this element from uh, the episode First Contact. Uh-huh. Which was there was one smart, enlightened scientist who happened to be a young, pretty girl. Yep. Uh, who decided she didn't want any part of this, and she wanted to ride off with the Enterprise. That is yep. exactly what happened in First Contact.
1: And one dude who wants to, d- who doesn't want anything to ever change.
0: Right. Uh,
2: my good thing was that there's no Muldy rebels. Well, that is a good thing. That is always a good thing. I'd, I'd be and willing I'm... to be wrong about the uh, the rest of it, <laughs> as long as as long as there's yeah. no Muldy rebels.
0: And I feel like we should be thankful for that because we are about to steam full full speed into Maquis territory. Ah, I think that starts in season six, and it just goes on and on into DS Nine and then the Voyager. Those guys are around forever. Yep. And they are the yeah, they are the quintessential Mulity Rebels. They're what all the other episodes have been evolving into. Mm-hmm. The They're Marquis. what your
1: average Mulity Rebel strives strives to be.
0: Right.
2: With face um, tattoos and black Vulcans.
0: Yep. Um, so my good thing, well, I did not like this episode. It was formulaic in all the worst ways. I'm
1: getting to it. (laughs) Give him some time to
0: set up. This is is building to something, or maybe it's not. He's forming his argument. Um, but as Matt said, it's formulaic in all the worst ways. Uh, however, and this really is my good thing, this bad season five episode is nowhere close to the bad episodes we did in season one. I mean, it was dull. It offered no insights into the characters, and it hammered home the human equation over and over and over. Uh, but it was no shades of gray, not by a long shot. It was it was bad, but it was season five bad, which, if we had this episode in season one, we'd be like, hey, this is pretty all right. So, in a sense, that makes it a good thing. I suppose. Although, okay, that was a bit of a cop-out. Uh, my real good thing, and I may be reading into this, but I don't think I am— picard's obvious feigned ignorance of troy's relationship she keeps hinting oh no i i have a a special wink 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 relationship with one of the uh uh-huh and the way patrick stewart plays it it's like (laughs) clearly i don't care deanna let's just get on with this yeah uh uh-huh and then she straight up confesses it in the in the uh turbo lift and he gets this awesome look on his face oh really huh you don't say wow i had no idea and again, I might be reading into it, but I like to think, even if it wasn't in the script, Patrick Stewart's like, look, we've been through this before. Can I just, can I play it like, like I know already? What a shock. You fell in love
1: with someone?
0: Now, this is another one of those things like the wharf shuttle thing where it's really only happened about two or three times to this point. It's not fair to call it a cliche yet. I would say it's more she falls in love at the drop of any hat. Mm-hmm. Because she met this guy <laughs> and ten minutes later she's in love with him. That's the part that bugs me more than falling in love again. It's just that she does it so easily.
1: See, I don't think it's like the Wharf Shuttle thing. I think it's like there's, this has happened at least four or five times.
0: I don't think so, and I won't put you on the spot and ask you to name it because there's like a hundred episodes that you probably don't remember off the top of your head, oh, mm-hmm. but I can only think of one or two. Mm-hmm. And, but I mean, we still have, you know, two and a half seasons left. Yeah. So. I mean, I won't
1: do it now because there's nothing more entertaining in a podcast than someone
0: going, er, what about. Mm -hmm." Yeah. Or looking things up in memory alpha. Not this one. Click. No. Not this one. Click. But I think, I think it bothers me more. Like I say, that she falls in love so easily that it's in the course of an hour long episode she goes through the entirety of the ups and downs of a normal relationship and that just uh, doesn't i don't like that she just That's fell head liked...
2: over heels and got stuck in his forehead wrinkles <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so let's talk about that yeah his his forehead is like a swamp yeah, you, you like, guys really fixated on how odd that guy was. Okay. Well, here's, the, here's the thing: he he was
2: he did he wasn't old or anything. Like he was he was perfectly like you know like in early 30s or something. Um, uh-huh, yeah, his face was quite smooth. And then whenever he arched an eyebrow, his forehead would just. Crankle up like crazy, and yeah, they like would just pond grow pond like
1: Bajoran wrinkles. But the, yeah.
2: but they were uneven; they weren't the same on either side. They were totally straight on one side, and then all wobbly on the other side. It
0: was. And that was one of those things where I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, and then I couldn't stop noticing. Your face, it completely lacks symmetry. Mm.
2: You see, uh, this man's forehead is straight on the left side and wrinkled on the right side.
0: <laughs> uh, where's your masterpiece society now? You, uh... <laughs> You flawed people. Okay, so my bad thing, look, Gene's gone, you guys. I mean, I, all the jokes aside, all the whatever, Gene Roddenberry in the timeline of the show's production is gone. Can we be done with these bullshit human equation stories now, please? No. We get it. It's all like, oh, we're better because we're better than you. And, and it was a smug off. It was yeah. this planet thinks it's great and the humans think they're great and it's back and forth. And, ugh. Shut up, future man. Yeah,
1: you want to you want to know the moral of this episode? Perfection leads to stagnation. Uh-huh. We have seen that a bajillion times.
0: A oh, bajoran times. We've seen a bajoran <laughs> times.
1: I I think my favorite bajoran newspaper. <laughs> Way better than the Bajoran Tribune.
0: Yeah, the Bajoran Tribune just has those page six pictures of uh, Kira every month. And it's cool at first, but it's like, look, you know, you've been running that for 30 years. It's it's enough now.
1: Or the Cardassian Courier.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, Which is just run by Cardassian Rupert Murdoch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gull Murdoch. (laughs) (laughs) It's Gull Murdoch. Oh, of course.
2: There's Um, probably an
0: apostrophe in there. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Do they do do the apostrophe thing? Probably. They could. Um, there there could be a half Cardassian, half Klingon out there somewhere that started sure. the tradition. probably Gul uh, other uh, kids. Right <laughs> All his illegitimate. Ch- Who has more illegitimate children, Gul or Captain Kirk? Oh <laughs> damn! And presumably, one of them hooked up with the other, so now you have just both of them running around. And uh, yeah. I,
1: I got to tell you, as much as much like as much sex as Kirk had, I feel like he probably used Federation birth control. Well, his best friend guess, was a doctor, uh, Riker,
2: so you... or uh, uh, Cisco, rather, uh, mentions like, getting like, birth control injections. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. Except he for, like... forgot one month. And...
0: Well, that's when they ended the series, and yeah. uh, spoilers, I guess. And, and Cassidy was pregnant, yeah. yeah. Um, Whereas, I, I feel like he was happening. having sex
1: with people to further the Bajoran race, because he was helping them.
0: You mean huh. the Cardassian race?
1: No, the Bajoran race. He was helping the Bajorans. Oh,
0: by sex... Sec- oh. Matt, listen. Matt, was do, only you want, following do you orders, want to go okay? out with my
2: brother? <laughs>
0: <laughs> do I? No.
2: Apparently, he has a habit of dating people who think gold Ducat is just the bee's knees. So, uh,
0: apparently, so. Um, okay, so they they talk about how this this society is genetically engineered, and then they go on to describe eugenics. Yeah, seven generations of selective breeding. Got them to where they are now. That's
1: eugenics. Yeah, even now, Star Trek isn't clear on what eugenics is.
0: No, genetic engineering is tampering with DNA and, and tampering sl- in God's domain. Yes, tampering in God's domain. Tampering God's low Lo man. Mm, God's low <laughs> It's always it's always in the fridge. It's mm. always like you get up in the middle of the night and you go into God's kitchen. He's got the leftover low man, and if you tamper with it, he will not be happy. No.
1: Feel free um, to help yourself to the leftover turkey, though.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Well, there's so much of it, or the cold pizza. Mm -hmm. That's fine,
2: Um, but don't tamper with God's microwave settings. No, (laughs) he has it just the way he likes it.
0: (laughs) He wants.
1: I was wanting to make popcorn.
2: Wait, 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 guys! Twelve o'clock. We should probably be talking about the masterpiece society. Uh, I don't think
0: that we should. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, the the uh, I mean, you know, genetic engineering is tampering with DNA. It's it's changing genes and chromosomes to be exactly what you want them to be, not selective breeding they're different things yeah and i i don't want to be a science nitpicky guy but yeah i kind of do this time
2: and when when troy yeah. responded to that she's like oh you've uh you've done selective breeding choosing your dna and i really want the guy to go no that's not what i said yeah. <laughs> no that's not that's, that's not, not, right that's at all. not really
1: did that I con mean... shit because it worked out so well for him
0: yeah and it's weird that they didn't mention, hey, we had a whole war about this. You should yeah. maybe not hey, do listen. that. And there's
1: even a there was even a chance for it, because Picard's all like, I don't believe in eugenics. I think it's a bad idea.
0: Yep. It worked
2: out fine for Caniculus. He wound Picard. up being 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I we can't about, have that.
0: I forgot about that guy. <laughs> oh, fuck. But, Here comes that giant Vulcan. We, we talked about this during the episode. I would much rather be watching an animated series episode than this one. <laughs> yep. Yes. Obey me. I almost made my good thing, well, over the Christmas break, I watched a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I've seen a lot of episodes that I thought I'd seen, but I'd missed, and I really enjoy that show. That would have been my good thing for this episode. (laughs) My good thing is that this hot chocolate
2: I'm having right now is delicious.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so, what else? Oh, talking about Picard being against them, he really flip-flops, like, for the whole episode, he's like, these guys are wrong. We need to, you know, this is is not right. They can't do this. We need to get them off the planet. What? They want to get off the planet? That's
2: ridiculous. Yeah, and then by the end of the
0: episode, he's like, was it really up to us to to meddle in their society? Shouldn't we just let them decide, like, where was this Picard half an hour ago? What the hell, man?
1: Hi, I got here late. What's happening?
0: That must be, yeah, he's Contrary Picard. Well, that at least keeps things interesting. (laughs) Says you. Let's see. I have a I have a note here. Telegraph coming in. It's the plot, sir. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah, yep. There's a lot of like. Well, we obviously know what's going to happen next.
2: Yeah. Let's just have Riker. Uh, I mean, Troy, Troy, and this guy shooting moon eyes at each other, and then this happens, and Visor and Blind, and
0: uh-huh.
2: let's just and keep, and it both... keep it
0: coming, keep it coming. Matt and I both had the note. What about the rights of that little girl? <laughs> yep. So that shows that. We're on the same page, uh, which is the page of we don't want to be watching this episode. God,
2: it just... <sighs> I liked what Matt mentioned in his summary about how Riker didn't have much to do this episode because he didn't. He yeah, literally he just stood, the stood in the background and then, like, kept trying to, like, because the moment I always remember is when they went to walk up a flight of stairs and Riker did this really, like, dynamic, like, jog up and, like, dash <laughs> around the corner and then walked yeah.
0: up with them. <laughs> yeah, he realized, though wait, the situation doesn't call for that. All right. Or maybe he saw the sign that said "No running." Oh shit! I better not tamper we're right with their next society. To this
1: planets pool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> only it says Ool. Oh, I get it. That's clever. Yeah. There's only one on the whole planet. <laughs> well, it's a very small little colony thing. Yeah. Like, they look out into the desolate part that they didn't terraform, and like, it's really ugly out there. And, yeah, I don't know. See, I feel like Riker. Yeah, they were in off. a
2: little. They were in a little sea lab dome.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were, and in Pod 6, Six was still jerks. Yeah, that <laughs> was I actually
1: did... that was a really nice Matt painting.
2: Yeah, it was. yeah, it actually, that did look good. That's, oh, a, that's we... a good job that's on our, our painting good
0: thing, collectively. We can yes. all share it. Matt did a good painting. I always do a good painting. You get a gold star. We'll put it on God's fridge.
1: Woo! <laughs> uh, I feel I'm like help Riker was with some pizza while I'm in there.
0: <laughs> I feel like Riker was off having sex with all the genetically perfect women and we just yep. we didn't follow his story but that's what's happening behind the scenes the deal yes masterpiece huh okay i'll your piece in a minute a masterpiece of the action if only we could have followed his episode yeah that would have been much better i'd be fine with that every week i feel like any bad episode has a better story with a different character that we're just not concentrating on yeah <laughs> And you know, if we follow Wharf in this episode, there might have been something more interesting or, or Crusher, or anybody really.
1: Crusher's uh, treating like some sort of horrible sickness they got from the planet. Yeah.
0: That they tried to breed out, but it just didn't work. And yeah, but now it was they're... like
1: turning everyone on the Enterprise into perfect people that right. were all identical.
0: Right. That would have been horrible. That's fantastic. <laughs> yep. Uh that's pretty much all I got. Any anything more fun? I don't,
2: it was a really kind of a nothing of an episode. I liked the uh the 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 costume designer's idea for future clothes in this episode was that everybody gets half a set of lapels.
0: Yep, I like that. Um, the main guy, the weird forehead guy, had what appeared to be a wetsuit with a blazer over it.
2: <laughs> wetsuit and blazer is a stock- startling combination, and uh, uh, I guess he pulled it off.
0: But um, my... wetsuit
1: and blazer was my favorite detective
2: series in the eighties. <laughs> because I remember, when... I feel. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's funnier than it should be. <laughs> um well when, when we do
0: these episodes that that often is the case
2: <laughs> when the uh the, the when he first showed up him and his little complainy sidekick he hmm. had the top half of the lapel on his jacket and the other guy only had the bottom half and then the next <laughs> time they showed up they had switched <laughs> and the other well, guy that's... only had the bottom half and he only had the top half
0: that's that's efficient costume design is what that is. Look, we only have three costumes. You, everybody switch.
2: It's like Futurama where they don't want to bother coming up with new clothes. They just do a regular suit with, like, the, the shoulder rings.
0: Right, exactly.
2: It's like, what do we do? You know, cut off their lapels? Huh? <laughs> Stick them in a wetsuit?
0: Well, that's what the perfect society does.
1: <laughs> yeah. You see. It's so they can swim in the pool.
0: The ool, Matt. The ool. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, you got a quote for us? Yeah,
1: it's basically just Jordy being smug about his visor. It goes like this.
2: Oh, oh, that's
1: perfect. What?
2: If the answer to all of this is in a visor created for a blind man who never would have existed in your society,
0: no offense intended. All right. It went like that. That That is an excellent quote, I guess. Uh, Now we get to push forward to one that's uh, actually pretty good. Ah, I enjoyed it. So, Brian, why don't you tell us how much you enjoyed it by giving us some jokes and a basic plot summary.
2: Very well. I suppose I could go a little out of the ordinary on this thing. I don't know what you usually do here,
0: but... Let's break format and and
2: give you a plot summary with humorous things. Very well. It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. The Enterprises. Going to a place to do a thing. I, I don't really remember what thing. They mentioned it like two seconds ago. Yeah, whatever. The mission Admiral McGuffin sent them on is largely irrelevant because the opening scene set up a typical day on board the Enterprise. Riker and Roe are fighting. Crusher is attending to a crew person sexy. And Troy is beating Data at chess. Suddenly... Wait, what? That can't be right. Hold on, let me rewind. No, no. Troy beat Data at chess because his filthy robot brain is too unemotional to see her gambit. Did Dr. Pulaski write this episode? Okay. Anyway, they come across a mysterious new ship, which gives them a nice intensive scanning, and the crew finds themselves with their memories wiped clean. Picard, no memory. Worf, no memory. Some generic-looking white dude with commander pips? No memory. Picard works out that he's the captain because he has the most neck dots. Worf assumes he's the captain because he's got a huge metal captaining sash, and Picard says, fine, I'd rather get shit done than fight about who's the boss. Worf is pleased as punch. In sickbay, Crusher fixes crewperson Sexy's arm, because surely there's nothing better for her to be doing right now. And in 10 forward, Data makes drinks, assuming that he is the bartender, because that's where he was standing. Not yep. the best deduction there, man. But eventually they get access to the computers and learn their names, including Commander Kieran McDuff, the first officer. Yay! Yay! Kieran McDuff! He's the best. Woo! He's their first officer, who has been there all the time every week. They also learn that they're in the middle of a decades-long war with the Lycians and are on on a mission to destroy their central command. Wait, did they mention this at the beginning? And when did they get a new first officer? I don't remember any of this. (laughs) Anyway, Riker takes Troy back to her quarters, where she basically tells him that her parents are out of town and they just got a new hot tub. But he doesn't pick up what she's laying down and leaves her with a firm handshake. Then he goes back to his own quarters, where Ensign Roe is waiting, and she basically tells him, let's have sex right now, okay? Oh, that does the trick. (laughs) Back upstairs on the bridge, the crew is starting to notice that every Lysian they encounter is kind of terrible and blows up with no resistance, which makes the notion of a crazy long war seem kind of unlikely. The legendary Commander Kieran Macduff, however, won't be having any of this, and tries to take command of the ship, so everybody shoots the hell out of him. It turns out he's a member of the Moon, <laughs> a race who I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot from. <laughs> the Enterprise says we're real sorry to the Lysian people, who I guess just accept it? I suppose when somebody kills a few thousand of your guys with a single phaser blast, you accept any apology they throw at you. (laughs) This chapter of the long and storied conflict has ended, but the Lycian adventure is just beginning. Sort of. Probably doesn't have long. They are still pretty terrible.
0: (laughs) They sure were. <laughs> the best thing to come out of this episode, really, and there was a lot of good things, Commander Kieran McDuff. Kieran McDuff. Yep. Everyone's favorite. We shall never I see also, his like again. I like the
1: idea of everyone assuming that their roles just by where they were standing. Yeah. I like the idea of, the guy, of a guy taking a leak and thinking he's the ship's plumber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's probably Ensign's sad sound. Yep. And, and actually, do this. that's actually one of his duties anyway. So.
2: <laughs> he is the that ship's plumber, cool. so it really works out.
0: Right, and being a plumber on a ship with Sonic's showers, <laughs> not not the best job. My teeth oh, crack, always
2: hurt.
1: And, oh, no, it's full of Sonics!
2: <laughs> I see your problem. I gotta yell at this. Hey! <laughs> hey, go down! Go down that I, toilet. I,
0: I gotta use this magic screwdriver that fixes everything without any explanation whatsoever. Shut up, Brian, don't explain it.
2: I, there um, is, no, there is no explanation. You're absolutely right on that. Very well. <laughs> Uh, so you're good thing? Uh, well, I love the scene where everybody's coming to grips with their memory loss and trying to piece together who they are. And, yeah, sometimes it's a little lame, like Data, assuming he's the bartender because he's standing there, which, hmm. oh, by the way, we should uh, just real quick. Um, the reason Data was behind the bar was because the bet that Troy made him for uh, uh, him, uh, her beating him at chess was that he had to make her a drink.
0: And it's one of those special uh, special effects drinks where you you uh, tap it and it turns a different color. They love those yes. kind of drinks. Yeah,
2: it was it was just it was a real kind of ham-fisted setup to get data behind the bar because they thought the joke about him being a bartender would be funny. The joke about the bartender started, thing was funny. It was no no, and it was yeah, funny. I I, I didn't mean to, to say it in such a, a yeah, derisive yeah. manner because it was. And that's what I like. They, they they used humor, but they didn't mm. only do it with jokes. Um, no. Everybody was like professional and analytical. Um, and Kieran Mcduff, who, of course was the uh the interloper of the plant everyone's he d- favorite he didn't push them along, which I liked. He let them figure out the whole thing. He let them read in the computer about this imaginary Lysian conflict uh mm-hmm. that he was trying to manipulate them into um he set up that like you know they weren't allowed to radio back to Starfleet because that was their orders that the Lysians had this memory wiping weapon. Mm-hmm. He set all that up, and then he just let them work it out.
0: Well, that works as a, you know, as a device to get him, you know, to get them to trust him and to not lead them by the nose. But on the other hand, dramatically, it also kind of brings us into the mystery, too. Right. Because it's not immediately clear to us what his deal is, either. And there's even, like, half a second's worth,
2: like, they don't even show a dramatic shot of him. He's suddenly in the background in the teaser before before the theme song starts. It's like,
0: hey, Matt, wait, who's that Matt, guy was that was there? was it you who mentioned that he could just be some guy who happened to be there?
1: Yeah, that was my assumption at first, was that he was just, they were going to take a random guy on the bridge and just have him be a main character because they didn't know any better. Well, and sure. that's
2: because, and they, they did set that up earlier with uh, Crusher and her, her her sexy patient in a bathing suit. Right. Of the week. I
0: wish I would have seen more of her. Yeah, that was. Well, <laughs> there, there was a lot, I mean, come on, you can't complain about the lack of sexy women in this episode,
2: I miss Ensign Swimsuit.
0: True. Well, I feel like she's not an ensign. She's like one of the civilians. She's like uh, the daughter of some you know, lieutenant commander or something. She
2: always wears a swimsuit everywhere because she saw Troy's uh, outfit and was like, all right, we're just allowed to do that?
0: Yeah. Oh, we can just wear whatever the hell we want? Awesome. (laughs) The Enterprise D, where every day is casual Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And your bad thing?
2: Uh, My bad thing was, why is it that every time someone manages to disable the ship or mess with everyone's minds and take over the whole place, it's people we've never heard of. I mean, if it was that yeah. easy, wouldn't the Romulans be doing it all the time or something? I guess they did on that Voyager episode with Andy Dick. But we'll get to that. I got dibs. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Worf has them test the weapon systems just by shooting the phaser at nothing in space. That's not going to stop, guy.
0: Yeah, in the uh, in the episode a few weeks ago where they were testing the uh, the warp thing, the mm-hmm. wave or whatever that would like push a ship along... Uh, when when they stopped it kept going and it didn't take too long for it to endanger a planet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like so. those energy things just keep going until they hit something,
1: you're right. I just expect like four hundred years later some planet gets shot. Ow!
0: <laughs> it was accident.
1: Whoops.
2: It was accidentally targeting Starfleet Academy.
0: <laughs> Look out Wesley. We're under
2: attack uh. from the Enterprise.
0: Dun, dun, dun. But we're up to like the Enterprise Q now, so you know. <laughs> by the time <laughs> it's it reaches their by the- Q
2: the the, the the phaser beam has, like, dissipated so wide that it's just the entire population of San Francisco instantly gets a
0: sunburn. Well, it's, I mean, it's always San Francisco, isn't it? Whenever no, we cut course. to a reaction shot on Earth, it's always people right by the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. It's like London that on Doctor Hill. the Who. only
1: place in San Francisco.
0: Right. Yep. Or Cardiff. <laughs> well, I mean, Starfleet Academy is right there, but yeah. there are other places. I mean, we finally get uh, Louisiana, at least, in uh, Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, other than that. San Francisco,
1: uh, Louisiana.
0: <laughs> well, World War Three was rough, Matt. Yeah. A lot of changes.
1: So we all of those places, every place except those two, Paris, and... Actually, that's it.
0: Yep. That's all. <laughs> uh, so you're a good thing?
1: Ro is goddamn delightful in this episode. Oh, yeah. From the very first second she's on screen to her little conversation with Riker at the end, I am utterly utterly smitten by her
0: well it's great to see michelle forbes not just having to be scowly and defensive the whole time she really mm. gets to sort of stretch her her acting chops and it's great you, mm. you see her be flirty you see her taking command without being hostile and it like turns she's... out that without all their baggage her and Riker get along famously well yeah. you, you're cutting into my good thing there but yes i am oh no yeah sorry no, that's okay i didn't have it written until 30 seconds ago so it's okay <laughs> have... oh no oh yes actually let me let me just go into that right now sure um well my fake good thing was that i love the way that Riker blatantly juggles troy and roe like so much jack tripper there's a lot of running back and forth between quarters like yeah i'm into you hey i'm into you as well and and of course it pays off
1: dodging lieutenant furley
0: yes (laughs) who replaced lieutenant roper after the third season The (laughs) the ship's landlord it's the guy who owns the Enterprise and just rents it out <laughs> to Starfleet, but he's still a junior officer for some
2: reason. Oh, they they gave him a comm- it's it's like a field commission, like Nagat, right? Ah, what's actually, going on over here, then, Captain?
0: I actually feel like he should be Commodore Ferling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually rolls off the tongue. Even the better. last the last Commodore, right?
2: To the fan <laughs> art, wearing
0: these loud shirts with the pips on them. <laughs> that, <laughs> I feel like we've. Uh... We have a pitch here, and and an episode called "The Last Commodore." <laughs> <laughs> Ten forward turns into the Regal Beagle, We're all set.
1: Mm. Um, and then he goes to that planet where they where Kirk and Spock got turned into fish people. Right? Oh god,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good actually. Um, that's an inside but, and, reference. And then, all, no, it's not. People know the the incredible Mister Limpet. They don't need us to lead them by the fin to that. That's a that's a common reference, right? It's yeah, especially a common reference on the other show. Well, right. Um... <laughs> But I, that they, uh, the the Roe and uh, Troy thing really pays off at the end when they all get their memories back. And Riker walks into Ten Forward, and they're, all, they're both talking, and like, he's like, oh, shit.
1: You get an audible gulp from him? That is
0: such no. a great scene. That is one of the good—like, uh, the show does comedy of character so well. Mm-hmm. And I've said this over and over again, that, that Marina Sirtis is great when they put her in that sort of character comedy situation, like, like against her mother. Mm-hmm. where it's it's a situation not a broad comedic like a like a slapstick or like a a goofy situation but just her personality playing against someone else's personality yeah. she's really good at that and and this was one of those times all three of them not only their dialogue but their body language and their their facial expressions just so great uh but my but my real good thing like i was saying is when when you strip away everybody's like you know, they're masks, basically. They're the the personas that they put out there, and you get them out to their to, down to their base personalities. Masks. I didn't think we were at that episode yet. Oh God, please no! You actually reveal a lot about the characters. Like like Brian was just saying, you strip away Ro and Riker's hostility toward one another, and we actually see how much they have in common. They they're not so different. She and he. <laughs> and you, you take away Troy's troy and she's actually a good empath she's the only one who figures out hey something's up here yeah, this she's is like not well, right.
2: we maybe shouldn't be listening to our computers since we know that they got wiped maybe we shouldn't just be assuming everything is true
0: right yeah. and she's suddenly a decent advisor and maybe we really you know i don't think this was intended in the writing but maybe we you know the way we sort of imply things or, or infer things i or suppose implode things implode Ooh. things thank you um it's it's like she's a good empath, she's a good advisor, just something about her personality gets in the way of
2: that. Right, you get the feeling that she's, like, able to feel the real people under the surface, and that's why she knows that something's not quite kosher.
0: Right, but then her, her personality, for whatever reason, just gets in the way of that, and makes her not be able to react to that in a sensible way, usually. It's all the chocolate that um, keeps her buzzed. That, that must be it. But I really, you strip away, like, you get to the essence of the characters, and... Any good episode develops the characters or reveals something more about them, and this episode does that. And that's you know, that makes it a good episode. <laughs> like it's not just a throwaway thing. Yeah. You get you get some insight into what these guys are really like at the you know at the core. And that's that's some good stuff. Uh so Matt, we we skipped over your bad thing. Why don't we come back to that now?
1: Oh yeah. So this one's a little too easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as we mention that there's a war with an alien race we've never heard of, the end of the episode becomes pretty clear. Like the second, uh, the Federation's been at war with the Lysians for such and such. I'm like, all right, so some alien race is getting them to fight their war for them.
0: Yeah.
1: And while, it, like I said, at first I assumed McDuff was just some random redshirt who got a minor promotion to actual character this week. Um, it becomes pretty clear that he's a, a, a he's a spy for the aliens when he starts getting all shifty eyed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they do a lot of close-ups of him doing the, you know, looking really suspicious fairly early so the on. So that people will suspect the dog. <laughs>
2: right. He does He does a full-blown um, uh, Ferris Bueller stink eye at the camera at one point, basically. <laughs> yep. Like, uh-huh, I think I've got these guys right where I want them. Uh-huh.
1: The only thing he's missing is, like, the Muttley snicker.
0: <laughs> I, On the other hand, Kieran McDuff, everyone's favorite character. He's always been there, <laughs> and he's great at everything. Mm-hmm.
2: He really is just like... The guy that they cast is the perfect star. Like if this guy was, uh, showed up on another ship as their first officer, I'd be like, yeah, that's about what a Starfleet first officer looks like: tall, yep. pointy sideburns, white
0: guy, bouffant hair.
1: Now they checked the. Uh, well, this is what every star
0: second officer ever has looked like. Yeah, and and he acts like kind of bland, which is what Riker should have been. But I think Frakes was so good that he sort of stepped out from that.
2: Mm-hmm. It's what Riker was been...
0: initially. Well, that's what I mean. He was Decker. And Decker was the most boring, bland, white first officer you can get. Yep. But Riker, like I say, Frakes, because he was so good and charming, they managed to to emerge from that. Mm -hmm. But he should have been the boring white guy in the show as well.
1: If they'd given him a beard, he would have been so dynamic that he would have destroyed them all.
0: Yes. Kieran McDuff, the beard guy. Kieran McDynamic. Kieran McBeard. Yes. Um, Beard and McDynamic. That's terrible. You could Boy, better I'm glad than I didn't say that. <laughs> you will, Matt, you will. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Um, did we just combine Oscar Wilde and Star Trek Four? I think so. Sure. This is why you come to the show, people. <laughs> We're back. For all
2: these topical uh, and accessible references to the
0: incredible <laughs> Mr. Limpet and Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and, and come on, hot gates from your last <laughs> appearance? I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, as they say, the
2: the only thing worse than being talked about is the Masterpiece Society.
0: <laughs> uh, so my bad thing, skipping all around, going all out of order, just yeah, it's like Amanda's back again, scatting
2: around. That's all right. We um, can't remember how the episode normally goes.
0: That's true. It's all it's all out of order. We got to check the computer to see who's who. I'm surprised Brian didn't immediately take over as the host, assuming that, you know.
1: <laughs> and and this week's guest uh Karen McDuff.
2: <laughs> Everyone's favorite
1: covers. Wait a minute. Well, Where I are we? What are we
2: What are we doing here? Well, let me see, huh? I've got these four raised dots on my neck, so that must mean I'm the host.
0: Or, God, I should see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in a closet, so I must be the lowest-ranking guy, because they don't even let me out into a proper room. <laughs> I'm not side. wearing pants. Yeah, I'm also not What's... wearing pants. I'm <laughs> actually wearing pants for a change. How dare you? I know. It's I'm breaking podcasting convention. This is this is my New Year's resolution when we uh, when we record. I'm actually in a full suit, <laughs> Paula Thompson style. <laughs> I'm wearing Which my monocle isn't... and nothing else, ladies. Right. I like that you say you're wearing your monocle. Well, yeah, what else would you call it? I gotta
2: wear my monocle.
0: I guess that's true. If you wear glasses, I suppose you would wear a monocle. That's that right. just seems odd to me.
1: I mean, can you think of a better term for using a monocle?
0: Well, using a monocle. I'm using my good, yeah.
2: No, because that 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 makes it seem more active instead of just leaving it in. I've inserted my monocle. But can you
0: insert it or do you have to constantly like sort of half closure No, your Actually I uh, uh, say you
2: kept the monocle in. A well fitted monocle does just sort of um stay in place the rest fairly well. Right. Um but that's I like mean, for I like
1: suppose if anyone is gonna know about this that's you like that's for yeah, like,
2: that's for like if you if you're, if you're rich enough expert. to afford a custom monocle. If you just have like a regular monocle then you do sort of All have right. to screw up your face a little.
0: I think most people who wear monocles must by definition be rich enough to have a custom made one. Nobody just I goes think, and I think buys most a people who wear monocles have been dead for at least eighty years. Oh no! I bet there is a hipster affectation of wearing a monocle. There has got to be. That is totally a thing. Uh, so my bad thing. The director played with some interesting camera angles to emphasize their confusion in the beginning. A lot <laughs> yeah. of weird, like um, there was a fisheye lens at first. Just everybody being really disoriented, and it was actually kind of yeah, cool like a low angle first. of
2: the uh, captain's chair. I remember.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice. We we were very familiar with this set at this point. We've been watching it for four and a half seasons. We know how everything works. And so seeing stuff from weird angles sort of emphasizes that everyone's kind of out of place and disoriented, and I like yeah. that.
1: There's a scene where we're peering directly into Worf's crotch.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And then he gets a little carried away with it. And then as everyone's figuring stuff out, he doesn't stop doing it. No. And it gets a little weird once they've got an idea of who they are and what they're doing and we're still looking up people's nostrils. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. It was a cool effect at first, but now... One that I sure like that... From, a,
1: from above, so Dutch much... this angle by
2: 35%. <laughs> Dutch it further. I want to feel like we're in a Batman villain's lair.
1: <laughs> I always want to feel like that. Oh. Kieran
0: McDuff, you diabolical fiend. <laughs> oh, great. Now we Our have to think of rhyming titles for this Kieran episode. Karen Kieran McDuff? <laughs> Um, actually, and I obviously can't count this against this episode. I wonder if it was the same director and I don't have that information in front of me right now. Um, but in the other episode, it feels like whatever director that was just discovered rack focus like that week.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, and now you're blurry and now you're yeah. blurry. Yeah. For the, for
0: those of you who might not know that highly technical term that I obviously know cause I went to film school. No, it's, it's when you have something in the foreground and something in the background and you change focus from one to the other. But it was really messy. It was like Picard was in the foreground and he was just horribly blurry. Mm-hmm. And I think Worf was behind him talking. Yeah. And then they shifted and it was better. But at first it was like, why are, why is Picard blurry? It's like Stop it's that. supposed to be used
2: for, for subtle things and not let's just have a giant blurry Picard head taking up three quarters of the frame while Worf talks.
0: There's actually um, a, a Star Trek example of this. This is the first time I was made aware of, of this technique was uh, when Star Trek Six came out. And there's a bit where the, the crew that's still on the ship is watching uh, Kirk and Bones' trial, the Klingon trial. And it's like Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov, and uh, Spock. And there's the four of them in a line. And the focus keeps changing whenever each one of them says their line. And it's it's really subtle and really well done, and it must have been a nightmare to set up. Mm -hmm. And sixteen-year-old me was like, "Ooh!" And when Chekhov says his line, nobody's in focus. Well, yeah, Yeah. because you know, Jesus coming to dinner. Shut up, Chekhov. Get some hair. I just bought Uh, these hair. hair. (laughs) Uh, I I don't have any notes for this one because instead I chose to get coffee. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So did uh, So, um, so did Picard.
2: Oh no no that was in the last episode Picard's bizarre little coffee cup.
0: I that's not new though. I mean you might have been noticing it for the first time. I think I think I was his... just
2: noticing it for the first time in his like strange little saucer and Is that what
0: he... is that what he usually has his tea Earl Grey hot in though? He, he usually has a No, it's I think out of the replicator it does come in that beaker with the yeah. handle. But I think beaker he also a has a tea set. And the saucer
1: from that. is shaped like the Enterprise's saucer section.
0: Right, he can detach the saucer yeah. and just drink the tea. And then they use the saucer to feed milk to Spot. Yes. Whoever the Spot of the Week is.
1: Who is told he is a pretty
0: kid. <laughs> yes, I will feed him.
2: Um, so one um, thing I noticed was that when they were uh, reviewing everybody's uh, uh, things, is that you know they say uh, John luc Picard, Captain; Kieran McDuff, mm-hmm. Commander; First Officer, <laughs> or Executive Officer uh, they, on the ship. They actually, they don't say they never say First Officer. They say Executive Officer, which is technically Riker's title. Well, yeah. And then William I mean. Riker, Second Officer, and then finally. We have a reason for three chairs
0: to be there, right? Mm. Yeah, that chair is used for Troy. And okay, and putting aside our Troy's useless thing, she uh, Picard doesn't really be on the bridge. No, well, Picard not uses all her as an advisor. He, he uses her and as, a, as an advisor, and he uses her to, to read whatever aliens. And I get that, yeah, as a diplomat and all that. And like, so
2: yeah. there there are times when she can be there, but.
0: Yeah, but when they design the Galaxy Class ship, I know that seat is not for the ship's counselor. There's a no. unique situation here. Who who's normally supposed to sit?
2: Like other captains show up and they're like, "Oh, who sits in your third chair?" Counselor, really?
0: Huh? You guys are pretty. Well, guys we usually have...
1: let the doctor sit there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that must have been a design recommendation by Kirk. No, no, no. Look, first officer here, doctor here. That's that's how it goes. Me and you my friends. Have all your
1: buddies hanging out with you,
0: right? And if anything happens to them, we go rescue them. Anybody else? Eh.
2: Although That's what Starfleet is, right? It's a doctor and Vulcan rescuing service.
0: Right. It's Me and my friends having fun. And that is all. But yeah, you're you're right. It was finally we get to see the bridge in the configuration that it, you know, that it probably should be.
1: There's a, three red-shirted guys sitting in chairs.
2: Right. I, I think it was just because in this episode the characters were noticing things so much that um I yeah, noticed of things you more didn't often stuff too. Like I guess yeah, that, right. you know, like um the the like like We make fun of the paintings that hang in their rooms, and Riker's just got a circle with, like, some Mm -hmm. blue and purple paint on it, but it's set up where, like, a mirror would normally be. (laughs) I feel
0: like that's always been there,
2: but I've never really looked at it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, and unfortunately, since the set design for just about everyone's quarters is not very good, Mm -hmm. like, I think we've pointed this out before, Picard's quarters are pretty good, and Worf's quarters have some cool stuff, but everyone else's are just sort of plain, obvious redresses of other quarters. yeah. Um, except they all have those shiny sheets.
1: Yeah, of course. When,
0: when, and at
2: least one weird picture.
0: Right. This Everyone gets one. The
2: second time Troy and Riker went into his quarters, I wasn't sure whose they were in, hers or
0: his. Yeah, because yeah. they're so generic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but Riker's going through his stuff. hmm And while it's not good set dressing, the props were pretty okay. And he's looking at this plaque. Yeah. <laughs> which, going with Matt's running joke, I assume it's a plaque for best plaque. <laughs> <laughs> of course but it, at first we both no, thought ironically it was... it's
1: a plaque for best cup
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at this thing and it's sort of transparent and and matt and i both immediately thought it was like this really cool transparent pad but mm-hmm. then it wasn't
1: pad, no, no. it was just a plaque
0: right which is weird because i bet the enter the original enterprise now in the reboot universe probably has transparent pads
2: and it just uh, feels like yeah, a thing yeah, probably. they would have and I, I like that his, like, it's just all of his character establishing things, we're all just sitting on the same table. Right. Oh, here's my yeah, plaque like with trombone. my name on it, here's my whore gun, which has apparently Maiden Risa stamped on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, like... I love
1: that he knew what Risa was, but not Alaska. No, 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 because
2: he goes, right. I take my vacations on a planet called, and he looks at the bottom of the whore gun and goes, Risa... <laughs> I guess it has, like, a little, like, you got laid in Risa on the bottom.
0: (laughs) I feel like he must have been moving his quarters. (laughs) All all his stuff is boxed up and he's ready to move and he's just going through the box. (laughs) That would make the most sense. Apparently Uh, I'm from a place called Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad is Bill (laughs) Sr. That's a strange thing to call himself.
1: That was another thing I would have liked to have seen because they all learned their names from uh, the computer. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it if they'd spent the rest of the episode calling him Mr. Data.
0: Data, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've done that joke before, but it would be a different joke. Right, but it would <laughs> work have... here. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Same as how I would like if they had called uh, Ro Ensign Laren.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right, her name is Ro, Ro Laren. Was and... Well, they did yeah. that the first time she showed up, and she corrected yeah. them in a very, you know, irritating way. But again, I, it would work here. It would. Um, at the end of that scene, toward the end that we were talking about with with troy and and Roe, I feel like she, this situation has lightened her up a bit mm-hmm. uh one because she's gotten laid, but two because she now has a friend, sort of she's got a joke she's, like she's got, got a friend thank you for being a friend <laughs> travel down the travel down the road back again back, again. and have sex in your I... quarters, yes. Oh God! Now I'm picturing the golden girls having sex with Lanker, oh, me I'd not too. Maybe Blanche, but the rest of them no. Uh, but I feel like Roe now has someone. If if not friendly, at least they have something like a shared joke. Mm-hmm. Like this is sort of character development for Roe in that she feels like a little more part of the team because they all went through this weird thing together.
2: Well, Recker, we'll always have Paris, which is what I'm calling your Wang. <laughs> Hello, well, Paris. And of course,
0: Better than Tom Paris, anyway. Oh, That's true,
1: but a lot of things
0: are the. Uh, so now the tally of <laughs> the tally of Riker's tallywacker <laughs> being in uh, bridge officers is now three. Yes. Of course, he's he's he was with Troy, uh, with, with the uh, with the trill in him. He was uh, with Crusher, and now he's been with Row. So we can only assume that Worf is next. Yeah, he's giving Worf
1: <laughs> the uh, the bug eyes.
0: Yeah. Well, and also I assume that that uh, progression of uh, young chicks in the Wesley seat. Yep. Those are, those are women that he's, he, you know, if not completely having sex with, at least impressing. Well, hey, I can get you a seat on the bridge. Hey, okay. He uses that as an entry line, and it might hey, not always work. He doesn't
1: tell them that it, so he can put his leg up next to him. Yep.
0: Hey, like what you hey, say.
2: Hey, remember this?
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Bill's Prince. <laughs>
2: but you can call me Paris.
1: Or tally.
0: Will would you please stop that? No. I mean, yes. <laughs> Sorry, sir.
1: You can't make me You're not the boss of me.
0: But he wouldn't have sex with Picard because that would just open this whole weird daddy thing that you know, whole strange incest issue that he'd rather not get into.
1: No, he'd have to kill Picard and marry Crusher.
0: <laughs> there you go. Or kill Robert and marry what's her name? Marie? Probably yeah, Marie. <laughs> right or I don't know Jean-Claude I something <laughs> like that. Michel. Uh, so anything else? Any any further business? Uh, also
1: like uh my name is Jean-Luc. Huh, I don't sound French. <laughs> Did he say that?
2: Uh, I like that when Rector picked up his uh um uh, uh trombone Tromboner. he played uh, the first uh, line of uh, the nearness of you which is the same song he played in 11001001
0: Okay, do you remember that sequence of ones and zeros, or did you just...
2: No, well, that, that I, I I actually taught myself when I was a very young child, just because I wanted to know the name of the episode. It's actually easy. Just remember it starts with a one, and then it's... Oh, of course. The two repeated ones, one-one and zero-zero, and then it's one-zero-zero-one.
1: I'm not going to... Just remember it starts with a one, and then the second n- number is a zero. Here's what you You remember
2: zero. it starts with a one, and then uh-huh. you make up the rest, because people will assume that you know what you're talking about.
0: Well, and the thing is, now that we've... Uh... We finished the draft of our uh, episode guide. We never have to think about that episode again, and we probably won't, so, yeah. There you go. Um, Um, We could talk
2: about Ensign Rose's sexy outfit of the uh, burlap sundress and thick, full-length stockings. Yeah, she's
0: she's wearing, like, a potato sack that goes (laughs) down to her ankles. And she's still hot she's still hot that's just am
1: i sexy enough for you bill
0: well actually yeah (laughs) if you were wearing a proper sexy negligee i might already be finished standing here it's probably good that you're you're wearing that (laughs) yeah she was just like matt said she was just not only adorable but also sexy and like Mm -hmm. watching her flirt like i said it's just so rare to see her doing anything but being the angry chick yeah it was nice to see her doing something else and the flirty bit was just like even more than the sexy bit, it was like, "Wow, that's I like
2: that." And it wasn't even like she was like flirting with him. And was like, all right, let's get something going. She's just like, I just assume we're already in a relationship.
0: Yeah, let's let's fuck. Why would we not? I like you. Place? I don't
2: see any reason why we
0: wouldn't be. So, no, we probably already are. Because look at us—we're the hottest two people on the bridge.
1: And look, even with my memory
0: gone, I know the legend of Will Ricker. <laughs> yes, everyone knows that, and uh, second only to Kieran McDuff, the best, yeah, the, the best everything <laughs> the best on the guy show.
1: ever, right
0: everybody likes to have a good old (laughs) mcduffin
2: all right i think we're done
0: you just got mcduffed you got a quote for us brian
2: uh i do have a quote uh for you uh it is uh this quote uh from when they are uh uh ascertaining who they are and uh it is picard uh knowing what's important and it goes like so
0: good chance this is our ship looks like you're the leader Perhaps we should not jump to conclusions. I am decorated as well. Look, it, it seems to me that determining leadership is not crucial right now. We, we need to find out who we are.
2: All right. And I just like that, that he's professional and he doesn't know he's the captain at that point. And even after Worf takes control, basically, he just sits at his station in the back and gets shit done. Yeah. And we get Worf well, in the like captain's seat and Worf in the ready room, and Picard's like, all right, I'm going to actually try to fix the problem. You you enjoy, you know, swinging your dick around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I like I said in, in my good thing, I like that when everyone loses their memory, you still get the essence of what they are. Picard is still a leader, even though he's not in command. Yeah. You still get the essence of what Picard is really about, and you get that with everyone, which I really like.
1: Yeah, it's just this nice sort of, you take away everyone's personality and just leave them with their core elements
0: and they're still pretty cool right you take away the personas that they feel like they have to put in front of people and you get you still get what they are
2: and you get yeah. Worf referring to his uh, sash as a decoration which i like yes. i am also decorated
0: and then when he gets his memory back he's so ashamed of that i know he's like as soon as he finds out he's scared officer, he's like shit yeah, oh, and like he man. he apologizes right care. away, which is nice. He's like, "I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I
2: overstepped my boundaries." And guards yeah, like, "Listen, I, well, I said it already. I don't give a shit." <laughs> right.
1: I, I'm sorry, Mister Wharf. A lot of us are
2: very busy right now. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, uh, so... but we all lost our memories.
0: What? Oh, I forgot maybe all about maybe that. You forgot. Ah, oh. uh, the amnesia ray jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Brian is always a pleasure.
2: Uh, yes, pleasing, pleasing as uh, as ever it is to be yes
0: that was that was an awkward (laughs) turn of phrase i didn't mean for
2: it to be but i stand by it all (laughs) right that's fine
0: that's what someone has to uh we have we have slightly changed the way to contact us not not really but uh we wanted to let you guys know that we have postatomichorror at gmail.com you could still use the old address but we feel like this is an easier way to keep the two shows separate so and it's also easier for you to remember post on my core at gmail uh we also have a voicemail 206-973-3982 uh we do these supplemental shows between seasons where we answer your mail and your voicemails and we would love to hear from you if you have comments uh corrections we will throw away yes but, uh, with extreme prejudice that's uh, 80 yes. percent of my mail i know <laughs> it's a miracle you get on this show my trash is full of your corrections <laughs> i'm the new flunk well uh, <laughs> 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 that makes sense considering you're the new flock. Yes. Um, the uh, the app, as always, our our guide to uh, the, the entire original series is available at Uh The first volume of our episode guide is also available there. The second volume is coming very soon. Mm-hmm. We have reviewed the first four seasons of Next Gen. And again, these are new jokes. This is new material that you haven't heard on the show. So uh, we'd like you to check that out. Yes. I hope you guys and... like
2: 30s slang, because that's all the Manhunt review is.
0: <laughs> yep, so
1: get on the trolley.
2: Yes,
0: 23 uh, Skidoo. <laughs> and with that, Matt, say your thing for the first time in 2013.
1: See ya, folks! Hey! Ah.
0: The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Ramotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.